Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. As we get ready for this counteroffensive with Russia, there's some interesting things happening, if you will. We are looking at the most probably modern warfare scenario we've ever seen within the history of how war is fought. As example, because information can be moved so quickly at a rapid speed, it's changing actual battlefront plans that are happening in Ukraine as it relates to the leak that happened as a result of last week from the National Guard Airmen. Now, what's really, really crazy is what has that leak really indicated to us is that we are legit fighting some kind of proxy war via Ukraine against Russia, directly against Russia. And something like this hasn't really happened in a really long time. Now, to give you some historical context, the United States has been fighting proxy wars with Russia for a really, really long time. For example, we look at what happened in El Salvador with the FMLN in Arena, which was a Communist Party and a um, people's kind of like a like a more of a conservative right pro, pro party, the Arena Party within El Salvador. That war happened for a really, really long time. We look at different things like Noriega. We look at all these different wars, and we've never seen the fact that we are just one step away from actually fighting Russia in a kinetic warfare-type environment. Now, when we look at these leaks that happened within the last week, it actually was must have been spot-on or created some type of issues because if you look... The defense Austin, um, the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, actually was in um, Ramstein Base, which is a U.S. German base, and they were meeting with the defense group um, there, and they were actually meeting the Ukrainian defense group to kind of give them some type of calming of what happened. So, what, which to me is really, really crazy that the Secretary of Defense of the Pentagon would be going and meeting with the Ukrainian defense contact group i mean it's pretty pretty it's not concerning it's just like something that people need to be aware of that like that is we're very much in this fight and even though it doesn't seem like it you know we are and after a four-day trip to to europe and also within sweden you can really see that this was being the concept to meet so in this meeting the udg the first meeting of the group since the American public international community became aware of the leak of the U.S. classified military information that is in part individual operations within Ukraine. So we're getting a situation where we're having a meeting right after this leak. So that shows you this leak has some type of significance, okay? If you think about it, and I've talked about the reason why, and now they're saying potentially that the individual who leaked it didn't really want war, but who knows? But the, the impact of this leak is much, much more than probably what a lot of people are indicating just simply based on what is happening within this situation. So the U.S. Senator, I'm sorry, the U.S. Senior Defense Officer said today that it is unlikely that the public knows of the content of those leaks classified. So it's, it's unlikely that the public knowledge of the content of those unclassified documents have hinted an ongoing effort for the UDCD to support Ukrainian fighters as the fighters maintain sovereignty in the face of Russian illegal invasions last year. Okay. 
what we have heard from the alliance is that the partners is the term determined to welcome this on the any kind of negative information spun or negative information to undermine it so i know they're trying to spin it right here and it's like one thing that really pops in my mind whenever i see some of this information about the war and what's going on with the war i think back to julian assange and how he kind of leaked some of the first documents that indicated the war actually going wrong with the U.S. and Iraq and the fact that more citizens were actually killed. You guys know the story of Julian Assange. He's actually still in prison in the U.K. Um, and not he doesn't he's not even on any um, he's not being tried for anything. He's just held in prison potentially. So it kind of shows how whatever things happen with the intelligence community, like it's almost like the rules just don't apply. So for the first meeting of the United States, D.C. in April, since then, as many as 50 nations have participated in a meeting to work together to provide assistance and security for Ukraine. So NATO, there's a meeting. So why is this relevant? Well, we're kind of looking at a point potentially where we could be seeing the first counteroffensive from Russia. And, you know, with the classified documents indicating some stuff, apparently that they're that, that Russia is doing much better than what the media is really indicating it is. And potentially, you know, there's been more Ukrainian soldiers that have been killed. So whenever we look at these leaked documents as a whole, it's kind of indicating maybe potentially a different narrative. And what that narrative could be saying is what is happening on the ground within Ukraine. And it's really creating a lot of probably problems for the security community as a whole for example there is now information that indicates there are special forces operating within this environment which doesn't surprise me at all but the fact that you have operatives there indicate that that what they are doing is they're working as a force multiplier training local forces probably in some tactical warfare in order to determine what they need to do so whenever we look at bach mode which is a really hot topic right now within Ukraine, probably because there's two different. There's obviously there's the the battlefront for the war is changing, and you look at Wagner Group, which I've covered before, and you look at the Ukrainian forces going back and forth within Bakhmut against an onslaught of the Russian mercenaries. So the Ukrainian forces still cling to the city, the western edge, and this has stretched into the largest and the most deadly fighting of the war. Now I've talked about this before. The Wagner Group is fighting for their own freedom, and they are a band of mercenaries. And maybe they're fighting a lot better than what people are really alluding to at first. So it was stretched out into the longest, most deadliest fight of the war. U.S. assembles were bleak. Uh, okay, U.S. Um, assessments were bleak in the early January, according to previous unreported classified U.S. intelligence document leaked by Jack. I mean, I can never say his name. It's like Teresa a member of the Massachusetts Air Guard obtained by the Washington Post. Washington warned that the potential encirclement of the Ukrainian forces in Bakhmut is suggested. Kiev should cut its loss and let the city go. Okay. An assignment marked top secret would indicate that the steady Russian advantage from November would jeopardize the Ukraine's ability to hold the city. Ukrainian forces probably be at risk for encircling unless they withdraw within the next month. Okay, that is really, really an intense analysis of what's going to happen. Now, I don't have the intelligence documents to look through and identify the reason why, but what they're saying is that the Wagner Group is fighting them so well 
that potentially what's going to happen is they're going to circle them, cut them off from supplies, and it's going to create more of an impact so they could potentially leave Bakhmut. Now, if the Ukrainians get off Bakhmut, it is kind of a live to fight another day, but it's really going to indicate a kind of tone for war. And tonality within war and wins are paramount whenever you're thinking about the importance of morale. But if you look at the steady stream of what's happened with the Wagner Group within Bakhmut since August, I'm sorry, since, yeah, around August 2nd of 2022, they have been consistently monthly being able to create more of, um, they're taking more ground, if you will, on a month-to-month basis. And they're doing so in a way that they could surround Bakhmut. And you look at it based upon how it's facing towards, I think that, east and the west that the two forces can in fact circle around there and cut it off and then you would have a lot more of a violent environment um, for the Ukrainian soldiers. So whenever we look at it from this aspect, it's like, you know, reading the article some more, it's like I'm not such a big fish. Okay, so whenever we look at that, what we're really indicating that if there is a Russian offensive on top of losing Bakhmut, you know, Russia in itself might have the potential to win this war. And it's like, is the classified documents indicating that? And that's kind of the point that's being made. So if you are, you know, like as the U.S. citizens, it's like this is kind of what's really interesting right now is we have these stories about Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney, everything happening internally. But at the same time, what's really, really obvious is that this war is not being projected potentially the way the media thought it was. So... Whenever we look at this, which is really interesting because you think we would have more of a understanding from the media. You know, we look at like war coverage and there hasn't been a lot. I don't know how many U.S. media journalists are in Bakhmut right now. I can't imagine that many, but you think we'd be getting some type of story like this as it relates not to classified information. So those warnings have largely gone unheard. Kiev has framed holding Bakhmut as it improves a far greater than the city's strategic military value, arguing arguing it's needed to maintain a national moral and denial of Russian boasting right over the the um, territory. So, like I was saying before, it's it's more significant as a moral win, but this could be so crippling because there is a strategic map I'm looking at right now, and it's actually showing the transition point of Bakhmut. And if Bakhmut falls, it's really going to have a strong undertone because Russia is not going to give back land. And if you put this on top of a counteroffensive, all right, the counteroffensive in itself could be really, really stronger than what we're thinking. Um, and it, there could potentially be other places where we're seeing this kind of situation. So it's something to really keep in mind because even the leaked documents have impacted the aspect of the war so much so that they're planning different strategic um, approaches within Kiev now because of the fact that they saw some of these leaked documents because it was only for USS US US eyes only. So predicting that the war is, is never that simple, but the leaks of the defense documents have made forecasting that the Ukrainian war even more complicated. So that's what makes these intelligence leaks so crazy is in real time now because of the leak, the leaks are now impacting the outcome in real time of the Ukrainian-Russian war on top of the potential offensive 
that is underlining with the strategic gain of Bakhmud. So what happens if all this stuff goes through? Well, we're indicating that, I mean, if Bakhmud falls, you know, the thing about war that's so interesting in this current day we're living in is before, if something happened, we'd read about it in the news, maybe a week later, it wouldn't be in this real-time situation, you know, and whenever real-time is being impacted, it holds a different understanding. Being able to process all this information to make strategic decisions is never easy at all. And if we're looking at it through this lens, what it's really showing us is that this war is a lot more um, complicated than, than what is rumored to believe before. And if Russia is taking over and Russia is winning Ukraine, what is that? What type of message does that send? All right, I'm going to be honest with you. I've done, I've covered a lot of stuff about the national identity of what it means to be Russian. And a lot of Russians support this war because it's baked into the national identity. Um, but if Zelensky loses Bakhmud, okay, and we're forced to deal with the offensive, does that mean the United States gets more involved knowing that there's already special forces on the ground working as force multipliers? I think 100 people right, is what kind of the intelligence indicated. So, which isn't surprising. Like, still, it's not surprising. Because if you're sending, you know, millions and millions of dollars to a country to help aid their war, you don't think they're going to put people on the ground to dictate that spending? It's not like I'm just giving you, like, a platinum card and saying, hey, go wild, spend anything you want. There's going to be Americans who dictate the spending. So, that's one of the weird situations about this war. And it's not, and it's, it's, it's it's pretty intense to keep up with it, I, I can truly be honest. But George Barros, an analyst for the Russian-Ukrainian profile at the Institute of Studies War, said that his organization makes a point not to forecast what will happen next. He, in part, he says, to avoid interfering with the conflict. But in an interview with The Times, he walked through a geo, geograph and history of the conflict, which made hints what could happen next. So... You're looking at a situation where people don't even want to comment on it. So the war's happening in real time, and these classified documents have had a very, very big impact, much more, probably much bigger than what was originally thought. So much so that it's impacting the outcome of the war. Um, it's really indicating information on Bakhmut that we did not know before, and the Russian offensive, the Russian counteroffensive, is looking to be a lot more intimidating than what we originally or what has originally been predicted. So what'll happen? Well, to really keep your eye on probably is what's going to happen in Bakhmut within the next month. Looking at the projection of time, it looks like within the next month we will see if it falls. And, you know, they can't keep holding on because what happened is they're being kind of um, pigeonholed. But and then what happens with the counteroffensive? So more to come on it. I just want to hop in here and talk a little bit more about the intelligence leak and what, how it refers to the situation.